Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada, streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim. Today is March the 9th, 2023, and this is episode 269 of the Workshop Podcast. How is everyone this evening? Good to have you here. This was a bit of a last minute change for the topic. I'm pretty excited to get going and share with you. I wanted to share first where the genesis for this episode came from. So yesterday morning, I was laying in bed at the hotel. Uh, Mrs. and I had to go away for an evening in the city or for a day. And I know I've told you guys this a bunch, but I absolutely love the Telegram group. And it was, so Tori, Tori the mom, asked in Telegram group yesterday morning. She said, uh, I asked this in the LFTN group as well, but I know you all are super active. She said, on the poverty mindset. I've heard John Willis mention this when he joins the podcast and at SRF, Self-Reliance Festival. But I want to dive deeper into identifying it when it comes up. You got any resources or tips? There's a ton of YouTube videos out there, but I feel like I'm only finding fluff. And I know this is a community that's found, uh, I know that if this community has found something that it's worth watching, reading, and listening. Shout out to Tori, one step closer, Josh, the renegade bearded butcher. So anyway, that's where it came from. We're going to dive in in a minute. Let me throw at you a few announcements and then we'll get into the meat of this evening. We're also live over on Prepper Broadcast Network. Good to be over there every single Thursday. If you're not following them, give everybody a follow over there. Okay, real quick, this is Thursday. Remember our sponsor, my brother Joel from the Protection Dog Podcast. He is, I've said it many times, like the Phoenix, rising from the ashes. He rebuilt his life. His most recent episode of his Protection Dog Podcast, and you might say, well, wait a minute, I don't need to learn about dogs. Trust me, there's way more to it than that. He's all about kicking you verbally in the ass and getting you to do better things. That's why he's such a good fit as a sponsor for us, guys. So his latest episode is being successful in a declining economy and building the routine of success. Brian Alexovich from the Lots Project. Good to see you. Byron Roberts in here this evening. So that's the first one. Number two, we are coming up on six months in to the Patch of the Month Club. Pretty soon, I'm going to do a little showcase to show you some of the cool stuff that is coming. I hope the latest ones just got sent out last week. I hope you guys enjoy them. These are really funny, kind of a black and white motif. I'm obviously not going to tell you what the, the actual um, subject is because I don't want to spoil it for you. Everybody loves a surprise. I will say that they're slightly inspired by Amy D uh, Dingman from A Farmer's Kind of Life. So keep an eye out for them. But if you're looking for a way to support what I do, a way that pulls, <laughs> thanks, Brian says he loves the beard. So if you're looking for a way to support the workshop, pull it off other platforms so that what you send goes 100% to support what I do. 
then the Patch of the Month Club is the way to go. 10 bucks a month, $100 a year. Go to patchofthemonth.co and every single month you get a politically incorrect, rather, mm, yeah, let's just say politically incorrect <laughs> patch that you will love. You Typically dealing with preparedness, self-reliance, independence, all of that. So check it out. And finally, the Thrivalist Fair, guys. I'm going to be at the Thrivalist Fair Sunday and Monday of Memorial Day weekend in Addy, Washington. I'm going to be speaking four times total, uh, two each day, and I am going to um, have a meetup. We're going to have a workshop meetup the evening, Sunday evening, sometime after supper around one of the fire pits there. I'm looking forward to it. I know of at least a couple of people are going to be there. Tickets are dirt cheap, and there's some really good speakers there. Actually, one of Joel Riles, our, our sponsor, he is going, yeah, Tori the mom is going to be there, and pretty sure, I'm hoping, well, anyway, I, I won't let the cat out of the bag yet for that. Sorry, that's their, uh, yeah. Anyway, so another thing we're going to try to do, I'm going to see what I can pick up on my way down because I can't bring it across the border, but I'm going to bring a bottle or two of bourbon. We can do a bourbon tasting, tasting while we're there, but I, it's going to be fun. I'm stoked and let's move on. Finally, I'm reintroducing the today's tool section. The only reason it dropped off was 100% pure and utter laziness on my part. So every episode is going to have a tool because that's what I do. I talk about tools. And this one was originally recommended to me from Brian from the Lots Project. And it is the Crescent 4-in-1 ratcheting wrench set. The thing is awesome. You can get standard or that fake metric bullshit. And they're black powder-coated wrenches. They come two to a set. They have, um, so it's hard to explain, but each end has two sizes. So you get four sizes per wrench. You get eight wrenches in a two-wrench set. I love them. The ratcheting, reversing, they are my EDC wrenches in my everyday carry tool bag. So with that, guys, let's dive in. I see, hey, we got uh, Chicken Hawk. He said, uh, yes. So Chicken Hawk wants to know, at some point, can we buy older ones a la carte? Talking about the patches. Yes. Again, pure and utter laziness on my part. No, I'm not. No, it's whatever. Anyway, so Eric over in um, another uh, TSP family group asked me, hey, do you have a place where you put up the old patches to sell? Yes. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to create an area over there where you can buy them individually. I held off a little while because I wanted this to, I didn't want to, I just wanted to be careful not to ruin the surprise for you guys. Anyway, We've gone along far enough now that the old ones can go up. I'm going to offer them individually, and then we're going to do like a uh, what do you, um, a blind bag or a, a magic box or whatever. You can order X amount for a discount, and you will get random patches. It'll be fun. And I, you know, if anybody else, wait till you get your patch this month, because I threw in an extra special shiny surprise for you. I hope you enjoy it. I know I will. And yeah, from there, we are going to end up doing it. All right. So this guy's, I, I'm, yeah. So this is a topic that I, I guess I didn't realize how near and dear the whole idea of poverty mindset was to my heart until Tori brought it up yesterday morning. And I just went on a rant, <laughs> laying in bed, getting all motivated, practically wrote the, the outline for the script for tonight's show just laying there and I'm like, you know what? A lot of this is not, 
yeah, it, 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 it all happened over time. I gotta, I gotta collect myself here guys, because this is one of those episodes. <laughs> oh my God. My wife's in here saying not you ranting as well. Yes. So here we go. It's a good rant though, because this, we're going to talk about the story that my beautiful wife and I have taken together all about killing, murdering, executing the fucking poverty mindset. So let's dive in, guys. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So the first thing I got to tell you, and I've told you my story many times, but a story is made to be told. I went down to the bar two nights ago when we were at the hotel for an old-fashioned. Uh, the most expensive old-fashioned I've ever drank, and it was also the best old-fashioned I ever drank. It was uh, smoked. Anyway, that's a whole other story. I'm talk more about it Saturday night. And I met an old lady, an elderly lady and her husband at the bar. And they asked me my story. She was a financial advisor and stuff. And I realized I'm always prepared to tell my story. And a lot of that has to do with you guys. But the whole idea, I, for a long time, I've always told you guys that we left that poverty mindset behind. Or the first step in changing it was when we, when I hopped on a plane and flew to Alberta. Moving out here was the catalyst for changing that. But I realized it was in the works quite a long time before that. And that was just the final pulling off the band-aid of the start, if that makes sense. So I want to chat with you just a little, we'll share you with you a little bit, but the first thing is, so, and I've told you guys this, we dug ourselves into a horrible hole and because it was just what we did, it's, it, it was the life we lived. It was the area we lived, no excuses, 100% self-inflicted but it was life that we were living. We were in a hole. And so, yeah, did I jump on a plane and come out to Alberta? Yep. But I got really looking back on this and once your eyes are open, you know, it's a slow, how do you want to put it? It's a slow start until you get to where you're ready to make the jump. And then all of a sudden it seems like it all happens at once. But so the first thing we did was three years before we moved to Alberta, we bought a house. We couldn't afford to buy a house, but we managed to buy a house. We scrounged up every single penny. We robbed Peter to pay Paul. We barely made it. We just scrimped by closing day. Like, I mean, you know, by just a few dollars. And so what does that tell you? It tells you that we were motivated to make our life better, but we were putting our, the cart before the horse. So what we ended up doing was we bought a house before we should have bought a house. We didn't take care of the other stuff that we dug ourselves into. Doesn't matter. Just the fact that we realized it was time for a change. It was time to do better, but we just weren't sure about how to go about it. But that to me was the first seeds of digging yourself out of, of saying, you know what? And we, I didn't even know to call it the poverty mindset, right? Okay. So that's the first thing we bought an old 130 year old house. You guys remember that movie money pit with Tom Hanks? Well, it was a lot like that because demolition is free, but putting shit back together costs money. <laughs> Ask me about that. So anyway, we started into that. That was the first thing. So that was the first step that we were like, Hey, it's time to make a change because we can't stay where we are. And then I got thinking, there was a guy that I worked with at Home Hardware who was an incredible example to me. And for a long time, I, I kind of, I wouldn't say I looked down my nose at him, but I always thought, why the hell does he work so hard? His name was Dean. Awesome guy. Dean worked all day at Home Hardware. Then he had the contract to clean all night 
or the evening, the store. And then him and his wife ran a convenience store <laughs> that she ran all the time and he did everything else. 24-7 he was working because they wanted to make something with their life and they did. And that was a huge example. For a long time, I was like, I don't get it. What What is he doing? I don't, I, I, I don't want to work that hard. I might want to go out and work in the garden, but I'm not ready to, to change my station in life like that because that's a lot of work, right? So then we wanted some extra money. We wanted money for Christmas presents. We wanted money for paying some bills off. And I went lobster fishing. And that was the next step along the lines of, holy shit, I can actually handle some of the crazy hard work that it takes to change that mindset. Okay. It was, that was probably the next little thing, the next little change, like, hey, I can actually work this hard. And I can say, you know what, that mindset. And the thing is, you don't even recognize it as the, the mindset of, you don't, you don't recognize it as the poverty mindset. You just recognize it. You just call it life. You call it the mindset that I have grown up with, around with. No excuses. It's just who you are. You don't even know any different. It's like the lion who grows up in a cage. He's born in a cage. He lives in a cage his whole life. All he ever knows is the cage. But you take that same damn lion out, you let him run in the field for a month, and then you throw him back in a cage, and all of a sudden, huh, guess what? Now he knows the difference. Now his mindset has changed. Okay. The next thing we did, and I'd forgotten about this. I mind my old brain to remember this. Becky and I put in a contract to, to try to do the cleaning at the local fire hall. It would have included snow removal. It would have included cleaning uh, before and after events, setting up for events and things like that. Now, the thing is, the fire chief's niece got that contract and I was pissed, <laughs> but we did it. We took a step to try to better our lives. And I'd fucking completely forgot about that. This is stuff we were doing before we moved across country. So even though we had dug ourselves into a hole and we felt like, hey, we're behind the eight ball, we were trying, we were doing things. The next thing I did, and this was about six months before we moved out here, I put an application in for camp work. If you've never heard of camp work, it's crazy, but it's fun. You go way up north, you could go into the Northwest Territories or far north in Alberta, and they fly in, it's like three weeks in, one week out, two weeks in, two weeks out, something like that. So we had to scrounge up enough money for me to take a bunch of courses online, for me to do criminal record checks. And I put in an application to go work for them and I never heard back. Now, I had some suspicions later on that maybe it was a scammy company that I fell for. I don't know, I'll never know, doesn't matter. We were trying something, we were taking risks, we were spending money that we probably didn't have to murder. Now, we didn't even know what we were doing, but we were trying something, right? That means our mind shift had swung. And then, of course, you guys all know the next part of the story. I hopped on a plane with no money in my pocket and had to borrow half the cost of the plane ticket to fly out. The rest is, as we say, history. But those were the things that I'd remembered putting the, the notes together for this show that I hadn't thought of in a long time because your brain starts, you know, burying shit when it's not good memories. And this whole preparation was kind of cathartic for me. Um, it was uh, just re realizing the steps we'd taken, how far we came. All right. But you're going to say, so, you know, to me, <laughs> what's it sound like? Magic words, right? Sounds like modern magic. All you got to do is change your mindset and shit will be better. Because when you're stuck in a poverty mindset, what's the opposite? Abundance mindset. And you know what abundance mindset reminds me of? Kenneth Copeland. If you guys don't know Kenneth Copeland, he is an evangelist on TV. Love him or hate him. I'm not a big fan. But when I was in college, 
He was what we called the health and wealth gospel, the name it and claim it gospel. He's from Believer's Voice of Victory. And he gets interviewed by like Inside Edition and all this all the time because they're like, how can you be an apostle of Christ and have an $8 million private jet? That kind of stuff. But anyway, that's what it sounded like to me, this whole, because when you're always kind of stuck in a hole somewhere, you don't realize, uh, you think when people say it can be better, you just sneer at them because no, yeah. We're going to get into all the fucking excuses down the road here, guys. But I used to mock Kenneth Copeland. And you can think about him as you will. Because to me, I always had a hard time bringing together money, wealth, uh, abundance, and spirituality in church. And that's the reason I walked away from training in the ministry 20 years ago. Was because I looked at the church and I said, it's it's a business. People were cutthroating each other to get the best positions, the best, um, you know, places to be stationed, all of that. And I'm like, you know what, if I see this in what's supposed to be not something like that, I might as well hop out, go in business and sell because I knew I could do sales. And I did that and I did really, really well. But either way, is it hokum? Is it kind of weird, hoity-toity, pie in the sky? No, it's not. It, it's psychological. It's sociological. Is it nurture? Is it nature? I don't know. But what it is, is this old noggin needs to get hit enough that you realize, holy shit, there's more than that cage that the lion lives in. Um, I can get out in that field and I can run away from the zookeeper and never come back. So the question was, or what Tori asked yesterday was, like, what is the poverty mindset? And I think tied into that was, how do I, how do I see or how do I recognize poverty mindset? Now, here's the thing. It's way easier to hear the poverty mindset than it is to see it. Because, of course, somebody just stand there, you're not going to know. But as soon as they open their mouth and they start talking, then you're going to realize, ah, I can tell you what the poverty mindset sounds like. <laughs> it's like I can't describe why a song is good. But when I hear a song that I love, I can say that is a great song. That's the same but different <laughs> with the poverty mindset, okay? Because, and here's where this is about as pie in the sky transcendent that I'm ever going to get, okay? You ready? I had to write this down because, yeah, anyway, but because what we say is an extension of what we believe, and what we believe is what we base our actions on and eventually shows up in results in our life. I remember my senior year of college, having a conversation with Mike McNeil in the wintertime. And the reason I remember this, he was one of my professors. He was on one of them great big, the bikes with the big fat tires. First time I'd ever seen it. And we had a conversation about Coldplay. Don't remember why all this stuck with me. But what I remember is he said, Tim, a person's beliefs and actions can't be two different things forever. Either your beliefs need to change to reflect your actions or your actions need to change to ref reflect your beliefs. You can't live in two states of mind or a state of mind and a state of being forever, you're going to go crazy. And I thought, huh, I thought that was neat. But here's the other thing, okay? This poverty and abundance mindset, there's a lag, right? Now, like I said, what we say is an extension of what we believe. What we believe is an extension of what we do. Now, when we start doing the right things, <laughs> to kill poverty mindset, to embrace the abundance mindset, you're not going to see the results for a while. So there's this lag of when my thinking and my actions change, 
It can take months. It can take years before you start to really see the investment. We're going to talk about that, okay? So uh, anybody wondering what I'm drinking this evening? I made an old-fashioned. Haven't had one in a while except the other night at the bar. <laughs> Tune in Saturday night. I'm going to show you some new cocktail-making gear I got, including some real fancy cherries. And this one has uh, cocoa-flavored bitters in it this evening. It actually has a bit of a chocolatey taste. I digress. So, like I said, what in the hell does the poverty mindset sound like? Because it's way easier to figure out what it sounds like than what it looks like. And I got a list here, guys, but we're going to go through them. Now, if you have, first, I'm going to ask you, if you guys got any sayings out there or things that you hear from other people that you know, that's the poverty mindset, throw it up in the comments because we'll see if you can beat me to it. But the first one is the world's against me. I think of Truman. You guys remember, you know, Truman from the Truman Show? If there was anybody ever that ever existed that should have said the world is against me, it should have been uh, Truman from the Truman Show. Because, But he literally walked out the door at the ending of the movie. Sorry, I just spoiled it. There we are. I'm just going to throw that one up there. Um, Mrs. Cook just said it must be nice. And uh, yep, that's the biggest one. We will get to that. <laughs> Brian just said it too. Trust me, we're getting to that one. Like I said, Truman, anybody, you know, I know he's a fictional character, but he literally lived in a world that was against him. The director, the producer could turn on the weather. They could wreck with his brain and he still overcame and walked away. How crazy is it? But how many people do you hear say the world's against me? In other words, it's not my fault. The rain fell on me. I got hit in the head. I don't, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the world's against me. How about I'm cursed? Uh, Becky and I have joked about this quite often, but for a while we used to say we figured we were cursed. I want to tell you, when we hopped on that plane, we moved across Canada to Alberta in a year after we got started, just getting our feet under us, and the worldwide price of oil crashed. We used to joke that the uh, that our family curse followed us across country. But again, curse. It's like, well, you know what? It's just the way I am. It's just the shit that falls on my lap. And it really doesn't matter. The next one. Well, that guy made it because he has connections. He has family. He was born into it. I don't know if you guys have seen it lately uh, on TikTok and in the news. There's been this real obsession with uh, Nepo babies. If you don't know, nepotism is supposedly you get a job because your family, you know, and does Hollywood have a higher rate of that? Sure they do. Okay. That doesn't matter when we get down to it. But um, again, that is someone's excuse. Well, so-and-so, they were born into money, so they had it easy. Therefore, I don't need to try, right? That's what it comes down to. Uh, Tori, why is it always something? Yes. One step closer. I never got a chance. One step closer. Why can't you be like everyone else? There you go. Those are great. How about it's always been this way? So how about you know, I've always been poor. My family's always been poor. The fam my family that came before them has always been poor. It's always been this way. So guess what? It's always going to be that way. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. But again, if it's always been this way, why bother trying? The next one, or this is how it is here. This one is um, another big one. Uh, this reflects where I came from and I'm not slamming anywhere. Everybody can think what they want from where they come from. But again, in some areas, you know, I think of uh, Shameless, the TV show. Poverty is worn like a badge. Hey, 
you know what? Being poor is just a way of life here. Poverty is just a way of life. The poverty mindset is just a way of life. So what the fuck does it matter? I'm just going to keep on keeping on again, because therefore I don't need to, right? Uh, Becky says, why is everyone against me? Uh, Martinson family says works to your, to your detriment with my clan <laughs> and renegade says curses are absolutely real. Okay. <laughs> if I left it there, you guys would think, what the hell is he talking about? If you allow them to be right, right. Again, nature versus nurture. Are you born into something? Do you learn something? You're going to find out it really doesn't matter because it can't matter. How about I'm owed that? I'm going to tell you guys a story. So I got a lot of stories tonight. This is a good one. My dad worked with um, a guy named Harry. Harry is a self-made millionaire. Harry came from poverty and did really well for himself. He started working, you know, uh, nights all day, every day at the IGA where they, uh, where dad first started really getting into the grocery business. Harry had a brother named Stanley. Stanley was the complete opposite of Harry. Uh, you know, Stanley ran a, uh, a little convenience store one time and couldn't make a go at it. Should have been able to make a go at it. But the problem was, is that as fast as Stanley made the money, Stanley spent the money, smoked the money, scratched the money off tickets, whatever it was, couldn't make a go at it. And one day dad and Stanley had a conversation and, uh, well, basically it went like this. Well, my brother, Harry is rich. I don't know why he doesn't help me out and give me money. I deserve it. I'm owed that he's my brother. Does nobody see the problem in that? Did, did he not see the problem in that? Your brother worked his ass off for years. You're not entitled to fuck, sweet all. None of us are. Not a bit. Not a bit. And when you sit around thinking I'm fucking entitled to something, fuck off. Because you're not. None of us are. Simple as that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but that's that's the truth. And you hear it all the time. I'm owed it. No. No, you're not. And if you think you're owed it, then you're just going to sit there and wait for it, right? How about if I get lucky? That's another one. Well, if I get lucky, things will work out for me. We create our own luck. What we do is our own luck. Can bad shit happen to you? Yeah, but guess what? Bad shit can happen to you if you're sitting at home eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew, or bad shit can happen to you if you're out there working on the life you want to live and murdering that. So absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Becky just posted a list of what the world owes you. Spoiler alert. It's an empty piece of paper. How about I would be a millionaire if every single time I've heard this, and I've thought this before too, I would be a millionaire if how many people out there, hands up, you don't have to put hands up. I'm just kidding, but I'm sure you do. How many people have met someone who has said, well, I had an invention, an invention 20 years ago, and if I had just put a patent on it, I would be filthy rich. Or I had an idea for a remote control for a TV that would beep so you'd find it. And if I'd have just done something with it, I'd have been a millionaire. Or if that government contract had to come through, I would have been a millionaire. How about this one? When I was in high school, I always was just thinking about different businesses. And I thought, you know what? You know what the town needs? We need a self-storage business. I thought even at like 16 years old, I was like, you know, this would be a great business to have. I would just need some buildings, but it really runs itself once you set it up. And eventually a guy named Glenn, who had a lot of money, opened one up and made an absolute fucking killing with it. An absolute killing. And for a little while, I was like, huh, that sucks. But you know what? I never cried about it. I never, you know, again, I would have been a millionaire. I, 
I know certain stories. I'm not going to share certain stories, but I met people who are like, hey, I invented this or I perfected this, but I never did anything with it. So therefore, you know, a lot of the people like the ones that go on Dragon's Den and get turned down. Well, I might have been I might have been a millionaire if. How about this one? Someday I'll be. Someday is never going to happen. Someday you can throw someday in the same category as unicorns because someday doesn't exist. That's just wishful fucking thinking. Someday was me waiting every single year at home hardware for a 15 cent an hour raise or for, you know, a promise of a company vehicle or the promise of great big bonuses that never came. Someday is, well, when I get my income tax, then things will be better. I hope I didn't hit too close to home there, but that's one we did for years. Well, when I get, you know, I talked to somebody the other day and he's like, well, if I get my income tax, then if everything goes well, we might be able to take a trip to this place just for a couple of weeks, but that's every penny, you know, no, no, no. Right. And then I got great big. Yeah. So (laughs) unfortunately I, I just, um, I, I just told Brian that Santa Claus doesn't exist or well, basically the unicorns don't exist. So, um, Martinson family says the toolbox fallacy. Yes, that is a great one. I didn't throw that one in there because we seem to beat the toolbox fallacy to death tonight. We're going to take the damn toolbox and we're going to slam it down on the poverty mindset and absolutely spill its guts all over the place because they say, if you keep flogging a dead horse, all you get is a bigger mess. Well, we're going to make a mess tonight. So the worst one, the absolute worst one and you guys have already said it, is it must be nice. And why is that so fucking deadly? Well, the first reason is, is it's absolute, it's it's worthless, right? First off, it's just another excuse. It must be nice sums up everything. Well, they own a property here, there, and everywhere. Must be nice. If I had that, but the other thing is, it doesn't just it doesn't just reflect um, negatively on your station in life. It is absolute hatred as well. So that means you're so far gone that you don't, it's not just that you don't realize how bad it is. You physically hate other people who are successful. And if you want to find the absolute best way to fail, hate fuckers that succeed. Because as soon as you do it, That must be nice. If you can eliminate those three words in that order from your vocabulary, that is absolutely a step in the right direction. One step closer says pure envy, 110%. It is just awful. Here it is. Yes, this, you're right. I I love having Josh here because he's always on the, he's just about always on the same wavelength, if not just a little dirtier than me. But he says, poverty mindset always sounds like acceptance of defeat and eventually turns into bitterness. And when you've hit the must be nice stage, you've got a long ways to come. Now, do I sound like I'm shitting all over things? I hope not. I'm speaking from experience because I've been in every one of these stages. So, hey, Prepper Dad. Oh, we got, uh, yes, Ryan Buford of the Next Generation Podcast is over on Twitch. Good to have you, brother. Great to have you, actually. So the worst one is must be nice. But the last one to go is, but it's different for me. Okay. So we just went through, if I get lucky someday, all must be nice. So you're starting to get better. You're starting to think, uh, okay, I've just thrown all of those at you and you've realized every one of them is bullshit. There's no reason, right? 
but it's different for me. You just don't understand. Yeah, all those other things, I understand. They're not true. But for some reason, it's just different. I'm different. I'm special. I'm absolutely special because whatever else, it's different for me. I just can't make it work, okay? That's the last one. That's that last little, you know, the Bugs Bunny with the angel and the uh, the little demon sitting on your shoulders. And they're like, hey, come on, let's go do great things. And the little devil's like, but it's different for us, right? So that's what it is. It's different for me is the last one to go. And that's the one that's going to kick around. I always think, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys remember this Oscar winning film uh, starring Marshall Mathers, Eight Mile. And if you think I'm joking, it did win an Oscar, but that's another story for another day. But there's a quote, the, the lead character in it, Rabbit, played by Eminem. He says, do you ever wonder at what point you just say, fuck it, man, like you stop living up here and you start living down here. And I've quoted that so many times. And I used to quote that to accept the poverty mindset. And now I quote that to say, ah, there's better. You don't have to settle. And the crazy thing is, is he didn't settle. He might've thought in his head, okay, guess what? I need to stop living down here or up here now. And I need to start living in the reality. You know what? No, look at him. He went from trailer park trash on the wrong side of the tracks in Detroit to probably the greatest rapper to ever live. Renegade Butcher says, out of 8 billion humans alive, you are special and the world is out to get you specifically. Yep. <laughs> How prideful? Is that the right word I'm looking for? Yeah, it's not true. Uh, Tori says, that one is always in the top manner thoughts. It's different for me. And my beautiful wife says, but you don't understand what I have to do every day. I have so much more hurdles than you did. That's the modern game of wokeness. I am so much more oppressed than you. My individual oppression makes it impossible for me to succeed. And if that's what they say, I can't help them. They need to help themselves. So here's the thing. Need to fuel up there. Once things start to change, guys, fear still hang, hangs on. Um, yeah, I could make a case that Eminem's the best rapper ever. Brian Alexovich. I'm probably, you know, let, okay. Let's put him in the top five for sure. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> so once we say there is, yeah, there it is. Uh, Mrs. Cook says, if I just win the lottery, then it'll all be just, it'll all be good. Just you wait. Well, when I was researching for today's episode, 70% of lottery winners are just as broke as they were within a couple of years. What does that show you? That their mindset never changed, that they spent it as fast as they made it, as fast as they won it because they were scared it was going to go away. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Actually, <laughs> that's next on the list. But once things change, some of the old stuff is still going to hang on, right? Because we don't just, you know, you don't just wake up tomorrow and say, guess what? I'm going to be muscular. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be in shape. No, it all comes with time. And there's days when you're like, oh shit, I ate a piece of pizza, right? Oh my God. Yes. One step closer. Oh, when I get my disability, I ha I'll have time to develop my ideas. That's straight out of the trailer park boys, guys. I know so many people like that. It, it's just one of those things that's always been there. And if, if that's what you're relying on, if that's the thing, we got issues. Um, Renegade says, me, 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 what about me? But they don't want to actually take responsible for anything, responsibility for anything. Yes. So here's the thing. And this is something uh, Becky and I talked about for a long time, and it's just going to be complete honesty here, guys. 
Whenever we used to get a little extra bit of money, we would spend it as fast as we got it. And the reason was, is that we were always scared that if we didn't spend it, it was going to disappear anyway. And so that has, it always hangs on. It's always there. You always have this fear that, hey, I'm doing better, so I better spend it all because it's just going to disappear anyway. And again, that's that stupid little Bugs Bunny with the red, you know, the red pitchfork and the red cloak saying, yeah, spend it because it's just going to disappear anyway. But you got to beat it down. You got to kill it. You got to execute it. We're going to put that poverty mindset right in the goddamn guillotine and chop his head off. And then there's always that fear that the plug's just going to be pulled. No matter how far you go along, it's the same in business too. Every single day you could succeed for all kinds, for in every way, for years. And you could always still feel like, hey, somebody's going to pull the rug out from under me. Somebody's going to knock me over. Somebody's going to take it all away. Those fears don't go away. They just get easier to handle. I remember Amy Dingman a while back did a great episode on the imposter syndrome. And that was awesome because it was great to hear somebody who's been at this a lot longer than I was talking about, hey, just because you're doing good at something doesn't mean you always feel successful. Because again, feelings, right? <laughs> Becky says, now it's because I, um, the, with the <laughs> we're trying to get our, our kids to figure it out 100% every time. So here's the thing. I listed all these, I'm going to call them sound bites, whatever you want to call it. If I get lucky, someday I'll be, I'm owed that um, this is how it is here. I'm cursed. The world's against me. Must be nice, but it's different for me. So what do every single one of those poverty mindset sound bites have in common? Anybody want to throw it out at me? I'm going to leave it there for a second. All right, I'm going to move on. No, it's coming. It allows every single person to not have to take responsibility for their station in life. Every single one. Well, I'm different. The world's against me. Well, if the world's against me, then I don't have to do anything to change it, right? It allows you to believe that it is not your fault. Excuses. Yes. It, it says, guess what? Since the world has conspired individually against me, this one in eight billion person, since the world is completely against me, I have no responsibility to change my station in life. Because someday... I would be a millionaire if, well, guess what? That someday means it's just going to be, what is it? The Deus Ex Machina, the hand of God or the machine of God or whatever. He's just going to come down and give me a million dollars because someday or maybe or pie in the sky, insert your dream here. So guess what? That means I don't have to work if I, because it's out of my hands. Every single one of those excuses is an empowerment to not do something about it, okay? It means whatever you're doing, just going to keep doing it because it doesn't matter, right? Because the whole world's against me and it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, Becky says, yeah, if I like and share this picture on Facebook, it said I'll get $8 million. And if you believe that, I have an African prince who has an inheritance tied up in escrow that if you just send him $750 in Bitcoin, you will be a self-made millionaire tomorrow, just in case you're wondering. The biggest change from poverty mindset to abundance mindset is taking responsibility. Like I said, every single one of those excuses is I'm not responsible for my station, my position in life. Guess what? Shit happens. If somebody gets hit by a car and they're in a wheelchair, 
well, it wasn't their fault, but guess what? How they handle it is their fault. And that sucks. You're like, Tim, you're an asshole. Yeah, I am an asshole because we all dig our own graves. We all dig our own holes. We all hop into them. We all create our own mess. And then sometimes bad things happen to us that aren't our fault. But guess what? The way we respond to them is. So if we just keep sitting there and saying, well, one day it'll be good. One day it'll be good. Yeah, if my, you know, um, when my disability check finally comes in, then I can make great. No, because all that is is enough to barely survive on. And it is what it is. Uh, and Becky says, yes, I know uh, 100%. <laughs> With that mindset, people like that are mo more likely to fall for those schemes. I remember many, many years ago when we were either just married or dating, I think we just moved in together. If you guys remember in the backs of those magazines, they used to have those send $10 for, you know, work from home, assembling products, send $10 and we'll show you how. And so we sent away whatever it was, 10 or $20 that we didn't have for an, um, an advertisement in the back of a magazine for assembling products from home. We thought, hey, we can make extra money. Let's try. So you pay the money and then you assemble the product, you send it back to them, they tell you why you're wrong, they send it back to you, you reassemble it, you continue to do this until you get frustrated and stop doing it and then they make your money off you that way. It was the stuffed uh, reindeer that we sent in a couple of different times and it didn't work. It was a scam. Again, we fell for it because we were desperate. When I first met Becky, it was maybe the second date that we were on. I walked into her house with her. We went in and on the computer, there was a whole bunch of paperwork her dad was filling out that had credit card information, driver's license, all of that. Because somebody said, if you send me all this, I will send you some money. I'm not shitting on him. I just know what his station in life was. And he fell for that. We fell for the, we fell for the reindeer scheme. We might not have spent a lot of money on it, but we sure spent a lot of time on it. Right. But when you decide to make that switch and say, guess what? I'm not going to live in the poverty mindset anymore. Here's the downside. It's hard work because all of a sudden you take responsibility for everything that happens in your life, good, bad, or ugly. You say, but Tim, it's not my fault. I don't care if it's your fault. It's not your fault. I don't care. The thing is, you got to take responsibility for getting around it. You know, people talk about equity, about making everything fair. Well, here's the thing. We're all born with certain problems, certain predispositions, certain genetic predispositions to anything. But it is up to us to handle whatever comes in our way. Some of us have bad things. Some of us have Eh, not so bad things, but no matter what, equity comes in taking responsibility for your own fucking life. Renegade Butcher says, get rich quick schemes are designed to con the poverty mindset. A couple of weeks ago, Becky and I were talking about multi-level marketing schemes and I got motivated. I had to run into the bedroom and write a bunch of stuff on my phone right at that moment because I'm going to do an episode coming up on how multi-level marketing schemes prey on target stay-at-home moms who want to do better for themselves, but when it comes down to it, they're just a shitty company that's stealing money from families. And we're going to talk about the alternatives to doing better with something like that, but that's coming up down the road. So you might say, 
how do I make the switch? How do I go from poverty mindset to abundance mindset? Well, the first thing is, if you're listening to this, you've already taken a step or whatever you say. Yeah, Tim, you're full of yourself. I don't mean that. What I mean is if you're, if you're actually interested in learning what the poverty mindset is, as opposed to what the abundance mindset is, that means you're already awake or open enough or already had just enough taste of freedom as that lion out, out in the field that you're like, hey, I need to figure this shit out. And if you're already there, you're way ahead of it. Every time something bad happens, you need to say, okay, guess what? This sucks. Okay. You need to, <laughs> here's how it works. You need to march your whiny ass into the living room, sit your whiny ass down, cry for five minutes about how you don't have a snowblower, about how your fucking quad just broke, how the four-wheel drive has gone in your truck, how the battery died, have yourself a little pity party, and then talk to your beautiful wife, get on the phone, and find yourself a snowblower. Because no matter what, the situation you're in might not be your fault, but your fault or your responsibility is how do I overcome it? You don't think that a lot of people who have done incredibly great things in this life haven't had to overcome shitty upbringing, shitty childhoods, abusive parents, alcoholic parents, being abandoned by the I don't care what it is. When it comes down to it, Chris Dixon says, figure it the fuck out. You know, I don't usually channel my inner John Willis, but tonight I'm going to. I mean, that's what it comes down to. If you need help, look for help. Talk to somebody. Get the help you need. But once your eyes have been opened up and you're like, hey, I can do better, you're on the right path every single time. So here's the thing. I've said this. This is one of my laws of life. You cannot dig yourself out of a hole. The only thing you can do once you've dug a hole is to stop fucking digging. Simple as that. I know. You're like, okay, that's easy. But <laughs> So... When you want to break out of that poverty mindset, there has to be some sort of physical breaking. Now, for us, that physical break was hopping on a plane, piling the kids in a car, bringing everybody across country. That was our physical breaking. I'm not telling you, hey, go home tonight and tell your husband, wife, significant other, mother, father, daughter, son, whatever, we're moving across country. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there needs to be some sort of physical break because they always say the best time to start a new lifestyle slash hobby. So whether it's uh, losing weight or getting healthy, exercising, any of that, the best time to do it is when you've just undergone some crazy big changes in your life. Because when you've already undergone a big change, your mind is more open to creating those new neural pathways or whatever you want to call it. Simple as that. Okay. Now, like I said, for a lot of people, you know, there's that quote on the internet that's attributed to Will Smith. I dug for 15 minutes today. It sounds like a long time, but it's really not. I'm trying to figure out if Will Smith really said it, but it's the ultimate life hack is to move away from your hometown. I, I don't know. That's not necessarily the case for everybody, but for us, it worked. Now, for other people, it could be just as simple as moving away from enablers or leaving people behind. You know, those commiserating barflies that you sit down and drink with every single day that say, yeah, guess what? I got my pension check and I got $12 left. It's got to last me three and a half weeks. Guess what? Leave them behind. Leave their asses sit in the bar on the bar stool and tell them, hey, don't keep this stool warm for me because we're done. You don't have to tell them anything. Maybe it's that friend that you get together to gossip with for coffee and they do absolutely nothing but tell you about how shitty their life is and how it's not their fault. Leave them behind. 
Maybe it is. Guess what? I am stuck in my ways. I'm stuck in a rut. There's this old story they used to talk about the old mountain road. It said, pick your ruts wisely because you're going to be in them for the next 10 miles. And that's the case. You know, if you're stuck in a rut, it can be really hard to get out. It can be hard to back out. You need to figure out a way to physically break it in your life. Yeah, stop breathing in all that toxic air. Absolutely. Can you tell that Becky and I have been through a lot together? <laughs> Chuck People says, go to conferences and festivals and network. You will meet people just like the people on here now who will become mentors and resources. You can help to figure it the fuck out. Couldn't have said it better myself. I actually think Chuck's been sneaking a peek at my notes tonight because that's where we're heading. Excuse me. <coughs> Change where you hang out. That's what I said. That's simple. You know, if you go to the local gun shop and all everybody ever talks about is, hey, if we vote harder, life will be better now. Nah, whatever. Don't worry about it. Maybe you're like uh, Jay and Silent Bob and you've spent your entire life hanging out in front of the convenience store, smoking weed and, you know, harassing kids. Well, guess what? You're not doing anything with your life. It's time to change. Move on. Change where you spend your time. 100%. <laughs> See, Chuck, I told you. So instead of going to the bar, going to the convenience store, going to the local watering hole, doesn't matter. Go to events. Go, I don't know, take jujitsu, for instance. You know, go go to a local business club where you meet fellow business le leaders and owners and, you know, entrepreneurs. Surround yourself because, again, we're going to talk about this, but you become the people you hang out with. Turn off the TV, put down the beer, listen to books, learn skills, start a business or four. Simple as that. Yeah, I know. It might be simple, but it ain't easy, right? Go back to school. Absolutely, Mrs. Cook. Uh, Josh says, 100% on networking and meeting community in person. Because once you're around your people, when you find your people, all of a sudden you're going to want to get up in the morning. You're going to want to go do good things. You're going to be inspired because you don't want to let them down either, right? In a good sense. Change who you hang out with. Again, like I said, your beliefs and your actions, they got to line up eventually. Also remember that that person you're hanging on to because, hey, someday I'll change them, not going to happen. The chances are, you know, 95% that they're going to drag you down before you ever pull them up. You got to leave them be, you know, be an example from afar, but don't let them rub off on you all the time. And then like Chuck said, find a mentor. Now that could be an in-person mentor. That could be somebody local who figured it out. Somebody who grew up in rough times. You know, I, I got a buddy who grew up in Manitoba and didn't come from very much at all. And he's made a great living for himself. He's very comfortable now, but he could have stayed there and never done anything with it. Right. So maybe find a person. Uh, like I said, you become the five people you surround yourself with. Find someone that's willing to help you. And it may be in person. It may be a local business person. Well, it could be over the internet. You you might, you know, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's some sort of mentoring services online that you can find or join like-minded communities and say, hey, I'm looking to get better. Help me. What do I do? Or here's the other one. And this is something I did for a lot of years. Uh, find a creator that you respect and follow the hell out of them. Because somebody can be a mentor to you and they never know who you are. Simple as that. You know, for years, Jack Spierko was that way for me. I listened to a ton of his stuff. I modeled a lot of a lot after what I did. And, you know, for probably five years that I followed him, he didn't have a clue who I was. Probably still didn't remember me after I made my first appearance on his show, but didn't take too long after that that he knew what my name was. But find somebody that you can follow that you're 
your brain clicks with that you like their teaching style and follow them and let them mentor you. Um, Chuck says, find the people with proof of success. Yeah. And it shows, you know, that doesn't mean they wear a Rolex or anything like that, but it shows. Um, this is 100% true. So guys here, Renegade says telegram community seem to be the greatest resource for inspiration for me lately. 100%. So if you're, you know, I, I'm going to see if I can keep figuring this out, but, uh, Martinson family says one could find a lot of guidance in a network, you bunch of jerks. Yes, absolutely. I don't know what it is that makes telegram such an inspiring place to hang out, but we are a work. We are a group of get shit done people. And if you want to get inspired and probably called out on occasion, you know, politely told to go fuck yourself, that you're full of shit, that kind of stuff, then the telegram group is the place to go. I threw the link up here. So if you're listening, uh, it's in the description, no matter where you are, but I threw it up for somebody who should come by and uh, build on it, uh, come in and become part of the community. Sorry. So um, yeah, <laughs> I digress, but it's because I love the telegram community. It wasn't even something I was going to start, but it is, that is a great place to get mentored. And that could be a collective mentorship, right? You got a whole bunch of great people who are just like, Hey, here it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, you're right. Renegade Butcher says, not all Telegram communities, but this and a handful of others are goldmine as far as community goes. Absolutely. And that is true because I have been in some soul-sucking Telegram groups. I'm just going to call it out. The Alberta Freedom Cells group was a hot pile of dog shit. And if you're still there, I, it's disappeared. But I couldn't stand it because all it was was conspiracies and, hey, the Canadian government's out to get me. Guess what? I might believe that shit but I ain't surrounding myself with it because I'm too busy getting shit done. So there it is. Uh, Becky says, I read somewhere that you can always tell a successful person if they push their shopping cart back to the cart corrals. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You said that, hun. Uh, Jack just mentioned that in his uh, expert counsel show the other day. So yeah, <sighs> you got to take a big chance guys. If you want to break that poverty cycle. And I mean the mental poverty cycle of, if you want to execute the poverty mindset, you got to take a chance because it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. Anytime you grow, you remember when you're a teenager, I remember being a teenager and having growing pains in my legs so bad. I had to lay down and put them up on a pillow and they just hurt because growth hurts. Just sitting there is doing all the damage, but it doesn't hurt. You know, sitting on your ass, watching television or doing whatever you want to do does not matter because it doesn't hurt. It's easy. The world's out to get me. So I might as well just sit there and drink an old fashioned and call it a day. Take fucking risks. I know I've used that word a lot tonight. I try to only use it for emphasis, but my goodness, yes, you have to. You have to take risks, guys. In the words of <laughs> Brian from the Lots Project, burn the bridges, burn the ships. I was never a big fan of the idea of burning the bridges. Um, John Willis, honestly, we had a conversation. Um, I was sitting, <laughs> this tells you, uh, we were sitting in the hotel room on the beach in Daytona beach. And I was doing a live stream with him. And before the live stream, we got talking about that, or maybe it was after, I don't know. And, and John said, you know, uh, I know you love to preach, be careful, build a nest egg, then do something great. John's like, I don't, I preach burn the bridges because there's nothing like desperation that fuels success. When your poverty makes you feel absolutely lost, right? So sometimes if you need the motivation, have nothing to go back to. 
and it doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it bad. And uh, Becky says it depends on who the bridge, who is on the bridge when it's burning. Yeah, sometimes you might be more motivated to burn the bridge, but sometimes we have to burn the bridge or pull off the bandaid, whatever it happens to be. But you get sometimes you got to take a big risk. You might have to take two or three or four risks, and eventually they're going to pay off because that's part of breaking that poverty mindset. Everything that we've had in our businesses have come from that at this point. Becky's daycare is doing four times, five, I don't know. It's doing so much better than All Seasons Maintenance ever did. But that daycare doesn't exist if we didn't take every single penny that All Seasons Maintenance made for basically a year and threw it back into that daycare. And you know, we did that without knowing if we were going to succeed or not. Did we believe we were going to succeed? We did at this point. With All Seasons Maintenance, we didn't know. But once we got to that point, we're like, hey, let's take another risk. And eventually the risks, they might be bigger, but they're easier to um, rebound from if something does go wrong. Recently, Becky saved us $5,000 by sending a text message. We had these properties that we wanted to pay for. We got a uh, lump sum of money and to buy out the two properties would have been $20,000. And we had $20,000. And this is, this is the abundance mindset, guys. This is not what we would have done before. Number one, we'd have got $20,000 and we'd have spent $20,000 in a day. Now we still spent it, but we didn't spend it. So let me explain. So we got 20,000 extra dollars basically. And we said, we want to pay off these properties. Let's pay them off because we're buying income. And if you haven't looked into it, buying income is the best way to build an incredible life. But you know what? We had that money in hand. And Becky's like, I'm going to offer them $15,000 to pay out what's left. The worst they can say is no, or come back and say, how about 18000 Well, guess what? They agreed to the $15,000. So by sending a text message, Mrs. Cook saved us, kept $5,000 in our independence fund. That is the abundance mindset. Let me tell you a story about my dad. So just before or just as I was going away to college, Uh, My dad worked for a middle-sized grocery store called Foodland, and it was like 30,000, 40,000 square feet. And Sobeys, the big brand, wanted to come in, tear down the basically brand new store, and build a store five times as big. Now, everybody from Foodland was going to get fired and then rehired at Sobeys, but there was no guarantees. You had to be interviewed. They had to accept you. They had to bring you on. Now, here's the thing. When they started building this Sobeys, they knew they were going to be tight on land. They didn't realize how tight they were going to be. They started building the Sobeys. They could not complete the Sobeys without buying an extra half acre of land. And guess who owned that half acre of land? Well, that was the path that dad took every day to work for 20 years at Foodland. It was the little half acre that was a little hill that could be used for absolutely nothing behind dad and mom and dad's house. They had a two acre lot and it was a half acre that was absolutely not usable for anything. At the best of times, at the absolute best, that half acre would have sold at that point for probably $5,000. This was in 1999. Dad went in, he wasn't hired yet. He had no guarantee that he was going to get the job and he needed that job. He absolutely needed that job. So his new, maybe soon to be bosses came to him and said, Hey Dave, we'd like to buy that half acre of land. And dad knew he had them over a barrel. 
And they said, well, we kind of need it. You know, uh, they didn't want to play it up too bad. So dad said, well, give me a day and I'll, I'll get back to you. So he goes into the meeting the next day and he says, I tell you what, if you guys want that land, you cut me a check right now for a hundred thousand dollars and we'll call it a day. <laughs> and they looked at him and they said, are you fucking crazy? We haven't even hired you yet. In other words, threat, threat. Um, you might not even get a job with us. Dad said, no, that's fine. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll wait on it. So they said, well, no, we're not going to give you that. So they came back to him less than an hour later and said, how about 70? And dad said, nah, I think, uh, how about we split the difference and call it 85? And they said, sold. <laughs> that took balls the size of Texas to do that. I'm not kidding. I mean, he had a, a son who had just started university and a daughter who was 14 at the time. And he needed that job. But he knew this was absolutely something he could do. And that, to me, was a huge um, insight into the abundance mindset. Because he's like, you know what? I need to take a chance. And he invested most of that money back into their house. And it was a huge deal for him. And it reminded me of Harry. So I might as well keep telling you these cool stories about the abundance mindset. But Harry owned, you know, he started the IGA with dad and he owned the IGA, sold the IGA, built this beautiful food land. And uh, they had, Sobeys had to buy out Harry from it. And uh, dad asked him years later, he said, you know, I often wondered how you made out with that sale. And he said, oh, let me tell you a story, David. And it's a good story. He said, uh, when Sobeys came to me and offered or said, we need to buy this, give us a price of what it's worth. He said, I brought in an inventory company. I took inventory of the business. I got the number that they told me. I went home that night and I thought of the absolute largest, most uncomfortable number I could ever think of that I could ever imagine getting paid for that business. He said, and I doubled it. <laughs> And then he went into Sobeys and he said his ass never even hit the seat when they accepted his offer. So you just never know that to me, you have to take chances. It's, it's so crazy. And then we, you got to look absolutely long-term. This is the thing. When you change from poverty mindset to abundance mindset, that's where it comes in. It's that whole, um, you need to say, Hey, guess what? I'm in this for the long term. I'm going to start investing because when we invest, we spend money up front to make money down the road. We spend time now to save time later. So what did we do? One of the things that Becky and I really started uh, focusing on a few years ago was, you know what? We, we never, we didn't just stop digging the hole. We climbed out of the hole and we started filling that fucking hole in. And what I meant by that was we went back and ran our credit checks and we got every single debt that we owed that maybe from years previous. And we started paying them off from the smallest to the biggest. And that made us feel great. And it rebuilt our credit, a whole bunch of things. Right. Um, but then, you know, there's the other people that are like, well, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy. I can't, I can't because whatever. Well, once again, you need to overcome that change. I don't to how can I, right? How can I make the time, make the money? How can I find the energy to get this shit done? People ask us all the time, how do you get so much done in a day? Well, you figure it out. You build it into your life. You make it work. 
then um, the next question you ask yourself if you're going into this abundance mindset is, is it worth it? Is it absolutely worth it to do it? Because just because I can make the time, money, or energy to do something, is the investment in it going to pay me back down the road? You know, is it something I want to do? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dixon says, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right, Henry Ford. Absolutely. It is so much easier to blame my personal failings, my station in life on the outside influences that are out of my control because then I don't have to do anything about it, right? Just because a person is born into all, <laughs> sorry, just because a person is born into the poverty mindset or an area that's poor, they just believe that's all there is. Anybody can improve their station in life, guys. I, I, I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> Renegade Butcher says, you can get all that done in a day. Must be nice, Tim. Let me tell you about a family in my hometown. Let me tell you about a lady. Her name was Mary Dory. Uh, she's since passed away. She was the roughest lady you'll ever meet. She sounded like she had the deepest old voice. She was an old native lady that was as rough and as poor as they come. She lived in a house that was falling down, was built by the government. She had four kids. She actually had five. One was taken away, but we're going to talk about four, one of whom was a really good friend of mine. And Mary loved her kids in her own way, but she grew up in poverty, lived in poverty, raised her kids in poverty. She had four kids. She had two daughters, two sons. The two daughters, uh, they still live in my hometown and they are every bit as poor and as impoverished as their family was growing up. Okay. You're like, well, there you go, Tim. There's the proof. If I'm born in it, I'm stuck in it. Well, guess what? There's two sons. One used to run, I used to manage uh, like a donair pizza shop. He now lives in Alberta with his significant other and is doing really, really well for himself. And the other one was one of my really good friends, again, grew up in absolute squalor and poverty, had no reason to ever do anything great with his life, is married with kids, is a manager at a grocery store, moved away from his hometown. So guess what? <laughs> if Mary Dory's kids can succeed, I think you guys can too, right? Just because this was a great quote from the Telegram group the other day, and I'm sorry I didn't catch who said it, but they said, just because you're born in a whorehouse doesn't mean you need to grow up there. Doesn't mean doesn't mean you need to stay there. Absolutely. It doesn't change overnight, guys. Every step you take will take you further away from that poverty mindset. But remember, those intrusive thoughts are going to just keep coming back. It'll all fall apart. Or, you know, this is mine. I feel guilty for buying stuff sometimes because we... We struggled and suffered for so long that I always felt like we just can't spend on that because we got it, you know, well, now we can, right? So uh, back when we were living down Digby Neck in that house where we didn't have two nickels, two pennies to rub together. Well, they were pennies and then the government did away with them and now they're nickels, right? I remember one day, I seen the power truck pull up out front and I panicked. I just assumed we were so far behind in our power that they were going to shut it off. And the power got shut off for a minute and then it came back on and I was absolutely sick to my stomach because I knew we were in a bad spot. 
and they happened to just come to fix the power lines out on the street. But I was absolutely paranoid that we were, our power was going to get shut off because we were, we were so far behind all the time. And that was the life we were living to the point where anytime I seen a power truck, my stomach would go, would do knots because I figured this is the day we're going to lose our power. We never did, but I know we came close. This is one I told Becky recently. Um, I wouldn't go in to hotels to register with Becky for years after we started doing well, because I was always fucking scared shitless that our credit cards were going to be declined. That's the life that we lived for a long time. That's the shit that the poverty mindset will fuck you up with because your brain tells you you're no good. Your brain tells you, guess what? You've, it's always been this way. Well, it's not anymore. And I can walk into a fucking hotel with my head held high and not have to worry about it. But the problem is, is that shit sticks with you. And so just because you do better doesn't mean that those negative intrusive thoughts aren't going to come back. But what we're going to do is we're going to call up Josh and we're going to ask him if we can borrow his samurai sword for a minute or his medieval sword, whatever it happens to be. And we're going to cut the fucking head right off it. And we're going to say, guess what, motherfucker, I'm doing great. And I have embraced the abundance mindset and all that bullshit that comes with the poverty mindset, I'm leaving behind. So, like I said, this absolutely was therapeutic for me. Um, I didn't realize how passionate I was about the poverty mindset until Tori, the mom over in Telegram brought the topic up and it all just came whoosh, mind dump, brain dump, took a dump right all over the page, right? But it was, it was therapeutic for me because it was fun to look back and realize where we came from. It's embarrassing. Not embarrassing. No, it's not fucking embarrassing. It's just the truth. And I share it. So other people, if you're out there thinking, guess what? Yeah. Uh, one step, you're right, said, I realized I was doing better when I was able to help others. And that is where we're at now, because we realized how friggin' miserable it was to suffer like that. But you don't while you're in the middle of it. You just know the fear and anxiety and dread and sickness in the pit of your stomach. But it was fun to see how far we've come. It was fun to, fun? I don't know if that's the right word. But it was interesting to look back on the issues that were such a big deal. And then every so often they jump up and bite you again. And you're like, ah, oh, shit, there it is again. But guess what? It's not going to happen. Uh, Renegade says, Reverend Cook just delivered a sermon we all needed. You know, the old stupid little saying that we all said as kids that when you point at somebody else, four fingers are pointing back. That's why I do these. Every single time I do something that's so close to my heart, it's because I need to hear it too. Uh, hey, there's Eric, brother Porterhouse. Get as far away as you can from people who make excuses for their lot in life. 110%. So if you guys have heard me on many occasions, I have quoted Morgan Freeman. And there's a great clip. I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to play just the clip. And I want you to hear it. Uh, it's incredible. It blows me away every time I've heard it. It's only 40 se 25 seconds long. So... This is, this is great. He, he, let me set it for you. He's on CNN getting interviewed and somebody basically says to Morgan Freeman, well, what do you say to people who say, yeah, it's easy for you to say you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps because look at you, you're a successful self-made millionaire. The guy basically, you know, um, 
ruins his own argument. But basically, what do you say to the must-be-nice people, right? And this is what Morgan Freeman says. Courage. Courage is the key to life itself. There are a lot of people who are born in situations where they say, well, I just, I'll never get out of this. So they won't. I say to people who say, well, I, I would like to have done so-and-so and so. So well, you could have done it. So, well, I couldn't get out of here. Man, the bus runs every day. <laughs> the bus runs every single day. This was in a gentleman of color, an African-American interviewing Morgan Freeman, a very successful African-American who grew up with a dad who died in, uh, I believe it was Missouri, grew up with nothing, built himself up to where he is today. And the, the guy's advice to anyone who says, I can't, I grew up in the hood. I grew up where I'm oppressed. Uh, I have issues. I can't leave the house. I, whatever. And he says, man, the bus leaves every single day. Hop on that fucking bus and go make the life you want to live. Take the poverty mindset, cut its head off, pick it up and keep the fucking head of the poverty mindset as a trophy if you want. I don't care. Put it on a pike, set it on fire, doesn't matter. That's it for me tonight, guys. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.